Welcome to Engineering the Future, a podcast presented by the Ontario Society of Professional Engineers. I'm your host, Jerome James. Today is a special episode of Engineering the Future. Uh, we're recording live on site in the heart of downtown Ottawa at OSPE's Engineering Conference 2022. I'm joined today by Gerard McDonald, PNG and CEO of Engineers Canada. Gerard has been CEO of Engineers Canada since 2018. Previously, he spent over three decades in the public sector, including as Executive Director at the Transportation Safety Board of Canada and Assistant Deputy Minister of Safety and Security at Transport Canada. He also served as Registrar at Professional Engineers Ontario. Thank you, Gerard, for joining us today. Thank you very much, Jerome. It's my great pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So to start things off, uh, I thought we would start off with an easy question. Most of our listeners are very familiar with OSPE and PEO and other provincial bodies, but many may not be so familiar with Engineers Canada. Uh, can you give us an overview of exactly what the role of Engineer, Engineers Canada is and how your role as CEO kind of pushes that forward? Sure. Uh, it's not surprising that a lot of engineers don't understand who we are and what we do, and that's because we don't really have a public-facing interface. Um, we uh, essentially are a construct of the 12 uh, uh, provincial regulators, uh, such as PEO, PEGA, EGBC, OIQ, what have you, uh, and they are our, what we call our members uh, or our, our shareholders. Right. And, and we, uh, our, our objective is to bring them together and to work uh, to harmonize and collaborate engineering across the country. Okay. So really our main role is to, is to deal with the regulators. Uh, we have a number of core purposes uh, that includes we accredit all the engineering schools across the country on behalf of the regulators. Um, we have the Canadian Engineering Qualification Board that we support uh, and they uh, develop guidelines that some regulators would be too small to produce uh, to help promote the profession. Um, we bring together the regulators, uh, whether it be through meetings of the CEOs, meetings of officials, uh, meetings of the regulator presidents. Uh, we offer national programs. We do insurance for participating organizations across the country. Uh, we advocate to the federal government on national issues relating to the profession, and as well as international issues. Uh, we su support uh, international mobility. Uh, so we uh, have a number of bilateral agreements with a number of countries around the world, as well as belong to a number of multilateral agreements regarding either uh, engineering education or uh, professional standards uh, around the world. Um, we, we promote the profession, uh, we support equity and diversity uh, in the profession, and then uh, more abundantly, we, we protect the trademark of, of engineering and uh, the titles of, uh, of uh, engineering and professional engineering. That's interesting that you have a role to play within the engineering profession nationwide as well as internationally, which a lot of people wouldn't have... Uh, no, a lot of people wouldn't be aware of that, but uh, it is a, it's a big issue for us. You know, how do we, how do we assure ourselves that people educated uh, uh, internationally are qualified to practice in Canada, and how do we promote Canadian engineers wanting to work elsewhere in the world? Excellent. I'd like to pivot to talk about uh, the present and future of our profession. Sure. 
Uh, OSPE recently commissioned a study on the state of engineering in the workforce mm -hmm. in Ontario, and it showed that engineering graduates are working outside of traditional core fields like civil and mechanical engineering. Mm -hmm. uh, many graduates also see the PNG as less relevant to their careers uh, yeah. currently. Uh, why do you think fewer engineering graduates are pursuing the PNG license today? I'm not sure that there's fewer engineering graduates uh, pursuing the profession on a numbers basis, uh, but what you have is, is a couple of things. Uh, number one, uh, there's more people going through engineering school. Mm. Uh, so I think the, the number of people going into engineering school, or graduating from engineering school, is rising faster than the number of engineering graduates taking up licensure. Okay. Uh, number two, uh, engineering more and more is becoming a springboard degree. Uh, in that, people will take engineering to keep their options open. One might be to, one option might be to become an engineer, mm -hmm. but we see many engineers going into medicine. Uh, or as a springboard to going into law, or a springboard going into finance. And I think that says a lot about the engineering education that we have in Canada. It's seen right. as a very rigorous and, and uh, marketable degree. It's a good foundation. Yeah, so students can use it for, for many other things besides engineering. Back when a dinosaur like I was going to school, uh, you know, it was you went to engineering school, you became an engineer. Now that's not always the option. Right. I mean, that leads right into my next question. A lot of engineering graduates are expanding into different fields, not necessarily other professional fields like law and medicine, yeah. but uh, there's emerging, uh, new types of emerging fields out there, yeah. such as AI and tech. Yeah. Uh, do you think that there should be new types of regulation or a new That's licensing for these emerging uh, technical Excellent question, and, and it's one we're struggling with. We, we actually have one of our strategic priorities is investigating emergent areas in, in, uh, in the engineering field. And one of the, the conundrums you have is that in order to get a license, there has to be someone there to verify that you're doing the work of an engineer mm -hmm. and it's being done properly. Um, if it's a new field or if you're an entrepreneur, there's no one there to do that verification for you. Right. So how do you get the experience to get the license? We got a chicken and egg type of thing. And is it something that actually does require the license? So it's, it's an area I don't unfortunately have a pat answer for. Uh, we're working with the regulators to try and find a solution to it, uh, but certainly it's, it's something we're aware of and, and it's something that's not going to go away. If anything, the, the, the uh, application of engineering is going to expand and probably expand faster than the regulators can keep up with it. We hope you're enjoying this episode so far. At OSPI, we're here for you, making sure government, media, and the public are listening to the voice of engineers. You can learn more at ospi.on.ca. Let's move to the immediate future. Sure. Uh, many engineers who work in the core fields, such as civil and mechanical, yep. are approaching retirement age. Yep. Um, there will be a lot of vacancies in the next 10 years, and mm -hmm. some employers are worried about whether or not there'll be enough young engineers to fill those spots. Yeah. Uh, what can our profession do to fill those gaps? I think there's a couple of things, and, and I'd go back to maybe your first question, and that is about the number of engineering graduates getting the licensure. Right. I think what we're going to see in the, in the coming years is engineering companies 
becoming a lot more competitive in recruiting those graduates into the engineering field. Mm. They know they're there, they know some of them are going elsewhere. It's not, they always don't go some, somewhere else because they want to, it's because they couldn't find a job in engineering. Right. Uh, so I think, I, I think we're going to see a lot more stiff competition for the recruits coming out of school. So that gets you experience at the bottom. I, I think some of that more experienced uh, engineers, uh, what we're probably going to see is more use of immigration mm. and getting experienced uh, engineers from elsewhere around the world. Right. Uh, people are knocking at our doors, they want to come to Canada, they want to work in Canada, yeah. and many regulators are now looking at ways to expedite the uh, licensure of international engineers coming into the country and I think I think the demand will spur that on even more. It's like you're reading my mind. We're just moving right into the next question. It is about international engin engineering graduates. Sure. Uh, our study also showed that international engineering graduates face some challenges in Ontario. Yep. Uh, international grads bring a lot of talent and enthusiasm but they also find a lot of uh, their job opportunities being limited. Mm -hmm. uh, they're less likely to pursue the PNG license because they don't see the value or it's just so unattainable in their yeah. mind that yeah. um, they find other ways of pursuing their their career. Yeah. Um, how, how do we square that peg and uh, what kind of role can a regular regulator play in helping internationally trained engineers join the workforce? Yeah, I think there's a number of areas we have to look at. I think partially we're a victim of the regulatory construct that we have, uh, where it requires you to have an accredited engineering degree. In Canada that's easy, but if it's from an international school, how do you know that degree is accredited? Uh, we have a number of ways right now. We belong to something called the Washington Accord, which recognizes some 23 countries around the world and their engineering degrees as being equivalent to those of Canada. Uh, and engineering regulators have to accept that equivalencies. We have to convince them to accept that. I, I, as I can say someone belongs to the Washington Accord, I can't tell PEO you have to accept that as an equivalent degree. But I think more and more they're finding that this is something we have to do because we can't, we can't resist it. Um, there has to be more rigor put into the analysis of the engineering education for, for those who, who come to Canada. And then finally the big nut to crack is the experience. Mm -hmm. I talked about it earlier with respect to getting licensure, uh, and you need four years of, of experience, two, two of which uh, have the Canadian experience. Right. The Canadian experience requirement we're finding more and more is the biggest hurdle for an international engineer uh, to get that qualification, to be able to be licensed. It, it, again, we get back to a, you know, you, you have someone coming with, with 20 years experience to Canada as, uh, as an engineer and has to come to Canada and work, um, you know, under someone who might have five years of experience as an engineer. It, it, it creates a, a, an atmosphere that is not conducive or welcoming to the profession. And finally, I think we have to use, remove uh, biases in the system uh, towards the approval of these people getting their license. Right. Uh, you know, I know PEO has done a, some work in this area. We do a lot of work on our diversity and inclusion initiatives to try and help regulators understand what uh, unconscious biases in the system might be and how we might uh, overcome those in, in accepting these people into our profession. Interesting. This is the first time I'm hearing about the Washington Accord. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that and some of the, the countries? Yeah, yeah. Members? So the Washington Accord was actually, Canada was one of its founding members. 
probably about uh, 28 to 30 years ago. Uh, and it, it brings together, uh, like I said, roughly 23 countries, some of the usual suspects. We've got the US, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, um, uh, Malaysia, Singapore, a number of the Southeast East Asian countries, Korea, China. And, and well, you it, said 23 countries. I yeah. thought 23 institutions that were... No, 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 no. 23 countries. Okay. So, so, so Canada, we, we have 44 accredited institutions. Right. U.S., I, I don't even know the number. I'm, I'm sure it's up in the hundreds of accredited institutions. The U.K., a similar number. So anyone graduating from a country that has Washington Accord approval, their degree should be ex accepted in Canada as being equivalent. And, and what we have is we bring those countries together, uh, we decide on what are the competencies required of engineering programs, and then we audit those countries, uh, um, we audit each other's programs, uh, on a you know every six years to determine whether or not they're living up to the spirit of the agreement and if they do then they're they're considered a member of the accord and like I said their students graduating from accredited universities get should get full recognition in Canada excellent yep. well that's concludes uh, what I have for questioning for sure. you today is there anything else you'd like to add to uh, the podcast uh, no, well, I'd like to congratulate OSPI for another great conference in, in Ottawa. It's a great place to, uh, to come to. Uh, I really appreciate being asked, and uh, congratulations on the podcast. I hear it's doing great things, and uh, keep up the good work. Well, thank you so much uh, for those kind words, and thank you, Gerard, for um, coming and, and, and giving us a little bit of an insight on what Engineering Engineers Canada is all about. Uh, once again, Gerard McDonald is CEO of Engineers Canada, and I'm your host, Jerome James. This has been Engineering the Future, live from the conference floor in downtown Ottawa. Thanks for listening. From all of us at OSPI, the Ontario Society of Professional Engineers, thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.